You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rainer Robbins. Thank you to everyone who pre-ordered or bought Died and Buried, my cosy murder mystery, uh, in the last week. It's been really exciting to see all those early sales come in and getting some really great reviews, which makes me feel like, you know, I'm not massively wasting my time, which is always nice. I think that's technically my last book release for the year, though there will be still one more Patreon uh, bonus novella to come. So, yeah, I'm still working and writing away. But, yeah, it was very nice to stop and celebrate a book coming out into the world because a lot of work goes behind the scenes into making that happen. I've been thinking a lot about what I want to do with Musketeer Space, uh, book-wise. Currently, it's available for sale as a hardback and as an e-book. has to be a hardback because the book is so insanely long that it basically, you know, it it could, I think, technically be a paperback, but it would be such a horrific, unwieldy one and basically a cube. So my plan at some point is to divide the book into, as I've said with this podcast, it falls naturally into two halves. I wrote Joyu, the Christmas prequel novella, in between those two halves. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of thinking it would be nice to do a proper paperback reveal, uh, release, probably around the time that I finish the podcast, which is going to be next year. So I don't know, I'm still thinking about it. It's, you know, the idea of having a book that's published as a single book, then kind of republished as two books feels kind of odd. On the other hand, George R. R. Martin totally did that for some of his, because they were too big to be individual paperbacks so yeah that, that's something that I'm thinking about I'm also planning on updating uh Musketeer Space the version for sale because as I'm going through and podcasting I am catching the occasional editorial error if you've ever caught an editor uh, a typo or error in a copy of Musketeer Space that you own uh as long as it's like a version that has been sold in the last couple of years, not an early Patreon version, because those definitely had a bunch of stuff fixed. Uh, Yeah, feel free to send me any errors that you find, because I am going to be updating the files again, probably around the time that I finish the podcast. So if you want to get the authentic version with all the typos and errors still in there, by all means, buy it now. Uh yeah, and if you buy the ebook, I believe when I update an ebook in the future, you can re-download it. So I'll let people know when that happens, so they can re-download the the less glitchy version. It's a really long book. I did, I did miss some words. Okay, so we are up to chapter eighteen. Musketeer Space, Chapter 18, Kissing at Airlocks. This time around, Dana only had to wait an hour and a half before she was waved in through the plexiglass doors to Treville's office. Treville dropped into the seat on one side of her sitting desk and waited for Dana to join her. Timing is everything, kid. I just got off the subspace with Alex. 
Maman? said Dana in surprise. She'd barely heard her mother's voice in months. Subspace communication was an extravagance she could not afford. Is everything all right back on Gascon Station? Treville shrugged her large muscular shoulders. It's classified. But your family, so you might as well know. Your mother's security team uncovered three sun-kissed agents on Gascon, disguised as tourists. We believe there are more among the miners down on Freedom. Dana shivered. The sun-kissed didn't bother with Freedom or Gascon Station last time around. And yet, said Treville evenly. So you catch me on the cliff edge of a crisis, young D'Artagnan. The old enemy are moving against us, and they're still too damned good at hiding in plain sight. Thank God and all for the vigilance shown by your mother and the Gascons. But what's your news? Dana hesitated for only a moment, then straightened her back and met Treville's gaze. If she didn't have confidence in herself, how could she expect anyone else to believe in her? Even Conrad needed some persuasion, she thought sourly to herself. I need you to authorise a mission to Valor. Treville's face did not move. Last I noticed, chicken, you weren't working for me. Remember Commandant Essart? Appallingly chipper old duck, but good at her job. This isn't a mecha squad matter, said Dana, desperately. It should have gone to a musketeer, I know that, but... Chance brought me into the path of a secret, and now I'm in the confidence of the Prince's tailor, and they've said they'll entrust me with a letter. Hey, said Treville, reaching out a surprisingly soft hand to grip Dana's shoulder. Breathe. Dana felt like a child. She had meant to be so cool. But she took the Amaral's advice, sucking in a slow, deep breath and letting it out again. So, said Treville, a moment later, this is about the Prince Consort. It's a matter of great political and personal sensitivity to His Highness, Dana said in a small voice. He, he needs someone to take a letter secretly to Valor and collect an item for him before the ball. They know I'm talking to you. I can tell you what the letter will contain. No, Treville said. She stood up, pacing back and forth. Keep your damned secret, D'Artagnan. If His Royal Highness needs this, that's good enough for me. You'll need backup. Dana nodded slowly. And passage on the Calais, I thought? Treville looked amused. You're not negotiating for your own dart? Dana's face felt hot. I wouldn't presume. Treville picked up a clamshell and tossed it from hand to hand before tapping notes into it. I'll need to arrange leave for you with Commandant Essart, and move the schedule around to release some musketeers to accompany you. What do our three inseparables think about all this? Dana felt a stab of guilt. They don't know about it yet, about the mission. I came to you first. They know a little of the rest. You know, said Treville, Porthos has been a bit off colour lately. Perhaps she needs some dirt-side air to pick her up a bit. Aramis is well overdue for some personal leave, though I'm not going to admit that I've heard enough gossip around the traps to know she's eating her heart out over some woman or other. 
and I'm sure Athos has picked up at least one duel-related injury this week. Her mouth twitched, and she tapped a few more commands into her clamshell. They could do with a holiday. It was an odd feeling for Dana, to be taken at her word. You're putting a great deal of faith in me, she said. Yes, I am, said Treville, in a firm growl of a voice. She looked Dana up and down. I like your initiative, D'Artagnan. Athos speaks well of you, and a week doesn't go by without one of my gals bending my ear, hinting that you're worthy of service to this fleet of ours. Dana hadn't known the other musketeers were doing that. Part of her wanted the floor to open up and swallow her from embarrassment, but she wanted to grin stupidly too. They believed in her. More to the point, said Treville calmly, you came to me first with this. You're not so swept up in the romance of being a musketeer that you dodge proper procedure, like some people I might mention. And she looked uncomfortable. What I'm going to say to you right now will not go out of this room. I don't like what's happening right now on Luna Palais. I don't like that her eminence takes every damn chance she can to fuel tensions between the regents and her husband. It's a nasty business, and it undermines the stability we were promised with their alliance. If Prince Alec needs discretion, I'm going to give him my best people. Got it? Got it, said Dana, allowing the stupid grin to take over her face. So get the hell out of here, and take that letter where it needs to go. I'll handle the rest. Stunned, Dana left the office. Next time the others raised a glass in honour of their precious Amaral Treville, she would be shouting along with them. Dana went to Aramis's place first. She'd not seen him in a few days. Unusually, the android Bazin let her in immediately without first quizzing her on her recent religious observances, or whether she'd wiped her feet. Captain Lieutenant Aramis will get dressed if her friend is here he said with an unhappy trill, his metallic head tilting to one side. Aramis lay on her couch with a large volume of theological poetry balanced on her stomach and a towel over her eyes. Her hair, usually bound up in a topknot for duty, fell in a dark wave over the arm of the couch. Bazin, shut up and make me coffee! Captain Lieutenant Aramis did not attend church this morning. Bazin said, with a hiss against his words, that made a bemused Dana think he was perhaps trying to whisper. As Bazin trotted away to make coffee for them on the other side of the room where the food printer was sandwiched between two bookcases, Dana sat on the edge of the couch near her friend. She reached out gently and took the towel off her face. Are you drunk? Heartbroken sighed Aramis. She did look miserable, and her eyes were red and sore. Also overdosed on poetry. Dana eyed the large book sceptically. Does it help? Not today. Aramis sat up and leaned her forehead against Dana's shoulder. Not so much a hug as a droop. Why do I always feel so bad when they return to their real partners? I knew I was only borrowing her, but it hurts. Dana had fairly limited experience with sleeping with men 
or women who were contracted elsewhere. And she refused to connect Aramis's current misery to the flirtation she had going with Conrad Sue. She patted her friend's back and gave her a proper hug, glad that her crush on Aramis had long disappeared into platonic friendship. Friendship was better. It had the potential to last longer, especially where Aramis was concerned. What you need is a mission to take your mind off it, Dana said, trying to sound cheerful and encouraging. Captain Lieutenant Aramis has received notification of two weeks' personal leave, beginning today, announced Bazin from the food printer. It will allow her the time she needs to contemplate the many ways in which she can nourish her soul. Aramis came alert at the news, pushing Dana out of her arms. Leave? Why am I on leave? Has someone been gossiping to Treville about my love life? She swayed for a moment. Ugh, too much poetry. Take it away before it poisons me. Dana hastily levered the enormous book off Aramis's lap and dropped it on the floor, then pushed it under the couch with her foot. Hopefully that would be far enough away. I requested the leave for you, but we have to go to Athos's place right now, if you're up for an adventure. The old spark lit Aramis up, if only briefly. An adventure? Why didn't you say so? Grimaud answered Athos's door, her headphones securely fastened beneath her star scarf. She said nothing as Dana and Aramis trooped in, carrying the coffee cups they had brought with them, at Bazin's plaintive insistence. Athos stood at his kitchen bar, with a clamshell sprawled open before him. Funny thing, he said. According to Treville, I have been given two weeks' leave to improve my health. Do either of you know something I don't? Or does she finally agree I need to devote myself to full-time drinking? Dana bit her lip. Actually, Treville wants you, all of you, to follow me. Athos's eyebrows looked at least twice as sceptical as the rest of him, and that was saying something. To take the waters at Truth, a holiday spa on one of the Daughters of Peace, D'Artagnan, I didn't know you cared so much about my aches and pains. Valor, said Dana and watched his face close over. There was something about that planet she knew that disturbed Athos greatly. It couldn't be helped. She needed him for this. She needed all of them. Porthos burst into the apartment, not bothering to hide the fact that the entry code to the door had not even slowed her down. Leave, she exclaimed. Since when do we get personal leave without asking for it? Is Treville cracking up at last? Is someone trying to get us out of the way? She gave Aramis a very pointed look. Someone hasn't been shagging pretty politicians again, have they? I don't know why you look at me, said Aramis, tossing her hair. I haven't seduced anyone political for months. I'm nursing a broken heart. Porthos turned to Dana, who tried not to look guilty. It's you, isn't it? Secret mission for the crown, Dana admitted. And does this have anything to do with... Athos raised a hand and the other two went very still, watching him. Treville thinks we should follow you, D'Artagnan. 
You're the reason she trusts me, Dana said, feeling defensive. All three of you. She refused to even ask for the details once I told her it was a royal secret. We won't ask questions either, Athos said steadily. This is your mission. Tell us only what we need to know. Dana felt warmth spreading from her stomach. It was a good thing to be trusted. I'll receive a letter shortly, she said, to be delivered to an old acquaintance of yours in valour. Athos flinched at that, but it was Aramis who said, Buck? Dana nodded. She received a token from the Prince Consort which he needs back here, urgently, before the anniversary ball. That's a tight time limit, noted Porthos. We can do it faster in the darts, said Athos, but too showy. They'd make us in an instant. I don't have a dart, Dana pointed out. Athos shrugged as if that was a minor detail. You could ride with one of us. He's right, though, said Aramis. The three of us setting off in our darts is too obvious. I presume we'll be followed. Her eminence won't want me to get to valour, Dana admitted. All three of them nodded as if that was what they had expected. Special Agent Cho will have her eye on you now, Porthos added. I thought the Calais, said Dana. Athos winced. I don't like the idea of us trapped on that damned solar crawler. Too many ways to get boxed in. We could take a getaway ship as freight, Porthos said thoughtfully. Or one of us could follow the Calais, ready to patch in if we have to. Dana had a thought. Do you know how to use a sight shield to conceal or change your ship's tattoo? All three of them blinked at her. Where did you learn a trick like that? Aramis asked. Your girlfriend? Dana admitted. Um, your most recent girlfriend. Aramis's eyes narrowed and she hooked one arm around Dana's neck. Is it time for you and I to have a chat about what information is best shared sooner rather than later, baby doll? Later, said Dana. The Calais leaves in two hours. I already booked our tickets. The Calais Solar Crawler was the slowest way to get from Paris Satellite to the planet Valor, but it had the benefit of being too damned big and too damned populated for anyone to hijack. It looked like an articulated earthworm made out of steel armour and plexiglass and ran a steady transport service between Paris and Dover Satellite the largest orbital city of Valor. Three days there, 24 hours planetside to find the Duchess of Buckingham and reclaim the diamond studs, and three days back. Grimaud was parked in freight, guarding Athos's disguised Paris Riposte, while Bazin and Bonnie crewed Aramis's disguised Morningstar, which would discreetly follow the solar crawler and allow them to scan for any other ships which might be following. Porthos's hoyden remained in Paris, to make it less obvious that the three musketeers known as the Inseparables had bugged out at the same time. Planchet reluctantly agreed to stay out of this particular adventure, as someone had to keep Madame Sue from suspecting that Dana had gone anywhere. 
Planchet had loaned her clamshell to Dana, fitted out with an app that assimilated all network broadcast and social media references to the Duchess of Buckingham. This would hopefully help her locate and communicate with Buck as efficiently as possible. Dana, standing on the crowded platform near the airlock, had not yet received the letter from the Prince Consort. They were running out of time. Athos and Aramis were already on the solar crawler, staking out the four-person cabin that Dana had booked for them. Porthos was on the other end of the platform, making a very public farewell to one of her boyfriends, who conveniently worked as a baggage handler here at the dock. This worked as a perfectly reasonable we-are-ordinary-people-not-on-a-secret-mission cover, as it turned out that the departures platform was a place where a lot of people did a lot of kissing. Dana stood there surrounded by travellers and their friends and families, and so much kissing. Her thoughts were full of Rosne Cho, and she jumped every time she spotted a colour that seemed deeply inappropriate for a flight suit. The Cardinal would certainly send her special agent after them, if she knew that this mission was taking place. The Cardinal, Dana was starting to learn, knew bloody everything. A hand caught at hers, dragging her back off the platform. Dana resisted only for a moment when she saw a spiky lock of blue hair sticking out from beneath a black cap, like the ones the ravens wore. I like your disguise, she said breathlessly. I worked on it specially, said Conrad Sue, with mischief alight in his eyes. Before Dana could ask a question or even mention the letter, he tugged her towards him, and she fell upon his mouth. It was a good kiss, a more thorough combination of tongue and heat than they'd exchanged before, and Dana would have been lost in it entirely, if not for the sting of a stud burrowing into the lining of her cheek. Romantic, she said, as their mouths parted. It's what all the cool kids are doing, Conrad said, with a gesture at the couples and families around him. The crowd had thinned, as there were only a few minutes from final lockdown. Only the hardcore kisses and huggers remained on the platform. I have to go, said Dana. Obviously, Conrad said, ducking his head slightly as he smiled at her. He looked almost shy for a moment. Another reason to find him attractive as if she needed it. Good luck, he offered. Dana was feeling confident again. Kiss me again before I go. This time, when their mouths came together, there was no exchange of information studs. Just tongue. By the time Dana found the carriage where Aramis and Athos had begun the first card game of many, the Calais was already detaching from the airlock. Here's to a boring and uneventful journey, said Athos, not looking up as Dana slid into the seat next to him. Porthos joined them a few minutes later, sitting beside Aramis and opposite Dana. Three obvious intelligence agents in the cheap seats, she said. A couple more I'm not sure of in first class. More hammers than I've seen on Calais duty, but most of them are doing security checks for sun-kissed spies. That's a good cover, said Athos, dealing the cards. Though increased security is to be expected, after the Regent's speech. Blood scans? 
psych too. He nodded. D'Artagnan, if they ask you, choose the blood scan. You don't want to give anyone an excuse to look inside your head. Got it, said Dana. She wormed the stud that Conrad had given her out of her cheek with her tongue. High-grade platinum, very fancy. It would look out of place in the line along her wrist. This was where having hair longer than a centimetre would be useful. She hesitated. Ankle, said Athos, without looking at her. Stings like a son of a bitch, but it's amazing how often an interrogator forgets to check inside your boots. That's true, said Porthos, as Dana slipped her fingers inside the soft leather of her boots and ground the stud into the flesh just above the bone of her ankle. I used to keep an arc ray down there until that time I accidentally burned off two of my toes. To valor, then, said Dana breathlessly. She didn't have the words to say how grateful she was that her friends were willing to come with her on this without even knowing the details of the mission. She was grateful to them, full stop. To valor, Athos echoed, in a far less enthusiastic tone. Aramis nudged him with her knee. Cheer up! Dana's the only one who has to make it in one piece to the planet. Chances are the three of us will be collateral damage along the way, and she'll abandon us, dead and floating in the freezing wastes of space. Promises, promises, said Athos. Thank you so much for listening to Sheep Might Fly. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. You can also download a full ebook of Musketeer Space, including some typos for authenticity. I'll see you next week.